Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Good afternoon and welcome to the School Podcast. I'm Melody Young, a second year medical student, and I will be your host today. I'm so excited because I'm joined today by a panel of very special medical students from the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine Emigrate Physician Program, or for short, EPP, along with the program director and associate professor of family medicine, Dr. Karen Shefflin. For our listeners who haven't heard of this program, the EPP students are highly trained emigre physicians born and educated outside of the United States and attending medical school for a second time to earn a Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine degree in the U.S. I feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to listen to their stories and have them share their unique experiences with all our listeners. Before we dive in and I get to ask all my burning questions, Could each EPP student introduce yourselves, tell us where you're originally from, what you previously practiced, and what year in medical school you currently are now? Hello, my name is Irene Gabrichidze. First of all, thank you so much for having us here. It's a really exciting moment for us to share our story with you. I finished medical school in Georgia. Uh, It's a small country in post-Soviet Union. After me finishing med school there, I did my residency training for two years in Russia, St. Petersburg, uh, in the specialty of neonatology. In 2009, I immigrated to the United States, and here I am attending medical school again. I'm second year osteopathic medical student here in NYITCOM, and I'm very happy about it. Hi, uh, my name is Murad Atnes. I was originally um, trained as a physician uh, in Egypt, in Cairo. I finished medical school and then finished residency as OBGYN, uh, worked for a few years, and then I moved to the States with my family. I'm a fourth year medical school now. It was a great opportunity to join medical school one more time. I'm also married to another APP. He's one year ahead of me. So it's PGY1 right now. So we were doing uh, medical school together and uh, we enjoyed every minute of it. I'm very thankful to the program. Hi, I'm Hassan Wakar. I'm originally from Pakistan and I am currently a third year osteopathic medical student at NYIT.com. I got trained in ophthalmology in Pakistan. I was actually in the fourth year of my residency over there before I immigrated to the U.S. And now I am very excited, and every day is a pleasure to be a part of NYITCOM. And thank you, everyone, for having me here. It's great to be with everyone today. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mohammed Al Saud. Uh, I'm from Baghdad, Iraq, currently a second year medical student. After graduation, I did not uh, practice medicine. I worked in the field of uh, research. Uh, main focus was mental trauma among refugees. And uh, thank you for having us. So my first question is for Dr. Shefflin. So lovely to have you here with us today. How long have you been the director of the EPP program? And what has your experience been like to support these students as they progress through medical school a second time? So I have been the director of the program since 2014. And for me, I grew up in my father's office. He was an osteopath. He worked at NYITCOM. 
And part of the emigre program was that they had to rotate with him. So I had a very early exposure to this population and I was always floored and impressed by their abilities as was he, and he always promoted the program. So it's pretty ironic that I was asked to be the director because I had so much exposure to them. In addition, many of my senior residents were emigre physicians and they were the most capable physicians I've ever met. When you hear about the program and you've been through medical school, I'm, an, I'm a 2001 graduate of NYITCOM, and to think that they are agreeing, they are willing to go and do this again for a second time, for this commitment to be so intense that they are willing to go ahead and sacrifice again. Some of them have families. Every year I meet an emigre that has more than four children. We have an emigre, I think, in almost every year that has six children. It's amazing that they can go through this process, this rigorous process, and come out successful. With that, I hold them with the highest of regard because we all know it takes an emotional toll. It takes a physical toll. Who studies for 10 to 12 hours a day for X amount of years straight and then agrees to do it again, right? It's quite impressive. I just embrace them. I just absolutely adore each and every one of them. And there's nothing about my job that gives me more joy than, than watching them succeed. I kind of envy what you do. You get to work with these amazing people every day. And exactly as you said, like sometimes my friends and I joke around and say, we'd never put ourselves through this kind of rigor and stress ever again. I mean, I know an anesthesiologist from Korea who moved to the States and decided it's too much work to do it all over again. So she became a nurse. So my next question is directed at our panel here. What drives you to be a physician and makes attending medical school a second time worth it? Yes, Mirat. I think all of us at some point were ready to give up about doing this. Like, to be honest, this work is expensive. I was working at an IVF facility as an OR nurse, like you were talking. And then I saw rotating doctors fourth year doing their electives at this facility. And at some point, the doctor was referencing an article about what he's doing and how he found this. And at the end, I found myself after I finish my work, I'm taking notes and I'm still checking the article. And I told myself, I'm still a doctor. It's just, I can't stop being it. Once you're a doctor at some point, it's very hard for yourself to picture yourself doing anything else. It's not about the money. Most of us had a very well-paying job before joining school. It is just the urge that I can do more. I can be more. And I have the ability, regardless of my age or my family position, to put myself out and be the best that I can be. I'm sure I can speak for a lot of traditional medical students in saying that learning alongside you and your EPP colleagues has been one of the greatest blessings of medical school. You have so much knowledge and experience to share, and we're so lucky to have doctors as our classmates. Now, I'm by no means trying to imply that you are old, but you are older than most of your fellow medical students. What has it been like from your end to study along with us? And how do you feel your previous experiences have helped or hindered you? Yes, Mohammed. Getting back to medical school, like uh, at our age, uh, definitely older. Well, it's like being drafted to a professional sport, NBA or NFL in your 40s. You're surrounded with uh, young, ambitious, uh, fresh brains, eager to learn, uh, willing to explore the new experience, well-prepared. And then there is us, uh, undeniably older. Many of us are preoccupied with the idea that we have seen it all. 
the previous uh, experience uh, as a physician is double-edged sword. Uh, honestly, I'm against getting into medical school through the uh, EPP with the mentality of a doctor. Uh, one of the keys of success is to embrace the role of being a student and forget about being a doctor. That being said, uh, the previous experience and uh, previous roles should always be motivational to perform better and learn from the mistakes of the past, if there is any. Thank you, Mohammed. Irene, would you like to share? For me, actually, it was a little challenging at the beginning because first I was very excited to come back to school. So I forgot my marital status. I forgot my child. I forgot my age, everything. I was feeling one of you, like traditional students. And I was really behaving and acting like undergrad. On the other hand, you have to present yourself, faculty, everybody is looking at you as EPP. You think they expect you to know more. So it was a little challenging. You want to be on both sides. You want to show your knowledge, but at the same time, you don't want to dominate traditional students for whom everything is new. And there are certain times when you have to hold yourself and you have to give everybody have a chance. But at the same time, you don't want to show yourself to faculty or to pot leaders that, oh, you don't know this. So this was a little challenging for me. Now I think I adjusted and I know where I have to stand, like how how far should I go and when to stop. Got it. So you have to find a balance. Yes. Mirette? We also have a lot to learn from younger traditional students. Your uh, methods of studying, uh, we've left school a long time ago. I didn't use flashcards or Anki for a long time. I haven't done all the things that the younger student has been doing. And when I started, I wanted to know how they're picking up things so fast. They're picking up more than me, faster than me, although I have been exposed to this knowledge before. And I figured out the more we became friends, the more that they shared with me without reservation what they're doing. They didn't fear that I'm going to judge them. They just taught me what they're doing. And at the end, we both grew. And I love that by maybe the end of the second year, I found out that we both learned from each other and we both directed each other into better ways of studying, better ways to cope with school, not just like on a studying level and how to cope with stress. It's a mutual benefit, I think. And that's why I think this program is amazing. I love that. The EPPs learn from the younger and the younger learn from the older and we both grow together. That was beautifully said. So my family is from Taiwan and the medical education system is set up a little bit differently than it is here. The students take uh, an exam and their seven year medical training program begins right after high school. So how did medical school in your respective country differ than medical school here at NYTCOM? Hassan? The program here is different than most of the people who pretty much have the British system of education over there. So like you said, what is equated as a high school in the U.S., that is what we have in our countries. And then we enter into the medical school for about six years. So the curriculum is slightly different and the length of the medical school training is also different. So having six years of medical education also gives you the opportunity to learn directly from the textbooks rather than uh, going to more consolidated resources of medical education that we have over here. That was one difference that I can point straight to 
but there are few other which I would say are far better here. Like there is a better uh, access to the technology that aids towards your medical learning as a medical student in the system. And then the classroom size is also much smaller and also the number of students in a small group is also smaller relatively. And another difference that I felt was the access towards the faculty you have as a student is also very smooth here than it was in my previous medical school. And that also includes the dean of our medical So uh, we are at times so privileged to walk with him on Tuesday mornings and share our problems with him. And he's right there to answer that directly. So these are certain differences that I, that I can point straight to from here versus over there. Thank you for sharing, Hassan. Does anybody else care to share? Irene? Yeah, I would add there are a lot of differences, but one very striking, what was for me in my medical school, I have never had chance to see or touch cadaver. And the amount of time we are spending here in anatomy lab, it was my first experience and it's like, so important and tremendous knowledge. And I wanted to be a surgeon. My choice is different now, but uh, spending that year in the anatomy uh, lab and working with cadavers was a experience for me, which I have never had chance to do in my medical school back in my country. Yes, Hassan. Another thing that is totally different in my learning at NYIT.com from my previous medical school in Pakistan is osteopathy for sure. So osteopathy was as foreign to me as I was to the U.S. when I first immigrated here. This thing I never heard of before. So that is something uh, that was new to me and I was uh, learning like everybody. I did not have any prior knowledge like I would have towards other sciences in medicine. Uh, the only thing that I can think is just the anatomy that I would know, but I did not know the principles of osteopathy. And then seeing it, and uh, its application towards uh, curing diseases was striking for me. And I'm really impressed in that. Uh, it's something that I would like to incorporate in my future practice of medicine as well. So I'm sure the way that medicine is practiced in your country is a lot different than it's practiced in the United States. So for those of you who have been on rotations or are in residency, what differences have really stuck out to you? Mirat? I don't know in other countries, but in my uh, original country, we basically don't have health insurance. Everything is out of the patient's pocket. The good and bad to this is that that has kept the expense of healthcare relatively lower. Uh, but at the same time, if you really don't have any money, even that little amount of money that you have to pay is still going to be too much. We don't have access to that much technology. Everything is still done with paper and pen, recordings of the patient's data. Everything is still on paper and pen because uh, that costs money and that costs even money for administration and the, the whole system cannot hold all of that. We have a much higher flow of patients, especially in government hospitals. Most hospitals are much more packed, which means that you have to see an enormous number of patients that if we would tell you the average of number of patients that a normal doctor would see every day, you would not believe that a human being can do this. But at the same time, doctors have more autonomy on what they should do or not do. Just because there's not the insurance companies and codes and 
So you have more control on what to do without the repercussions of like the fear of being sued all the time or what's going to happen if I do this. You, you have control on your plan on what you do to your patient. The bad thing is also is that there's lots of medications and that is not available to everyone. Even sometimes basic things, the things that the American healthcare system take for granted, it's not available, it's not there, or if it's there, it's way too expensive for anyone to have or to use. It's very different from here. Thank you for sharing, Murat. Hassan? During my residency in Pakistan, one thing that always struck me was uh, learning the guidelines. Those would always come either from the US or from UK and which were not followed to the entirety in a country like Pakistan. So that was one of the driving reasons for me to move to the U.S. and learn it from the source from where the guidelines come. And I would agree to the most that Mirat has said. Uh, so following those guidelines and the insurance system that is here, that was also lacking in a country like Pakistan. So as a patient, uh, you would have only two choices, either go to a government-sponsored hospital and be in a long waiting line, and go through a rigorous volume of patients to get your turn and the doctor may have only less than two minutes to see you in the clinic. Uh, or if you can afford, you can go to a private hospital and pay everything out of pocket and get a care that is quite similar and not to, to the entirety that you can get here in the US. So as a training physician, I was a resident in Pakistan. So, so I was able to learn both the flavors, but most of my training was in a government-sponsored hospital. And the patient volume over there was enormous. And whenever you would do clinic, a lot of patients, they might have to go back to their home without being seen that day. And they might come from so many far distances. When you are in the operating room, that also gives you a chance to put your hands on more patients than you can get over here. And also, like Mirad pointed earlier as well, without the repercussions of being, of being sued. So my uh, next question has to do with your movement to America. I mean, to uproot your life and move to a place where English isn't your first language and to begin training in a program that's as intense as medical school is, I mean, it's got to be difficult. So what has the experience been like to restart your medical school journey at NYIT and how has this decision impacted you and your family life? Mirat? When we moved, it was a, a disturbing time in my country. There was a lot of unrest and uh, we decided it's better for us to move to the United States and we got immigration, which was great. The hardest thing anyone can do is to uproot yourself. But I always thought that this is a very good chance for my children. I wasn't looking at my career at that point. I was looking for the safety and the well-being of my kids. That was the main drive for me and my husband. We didn't know about the program when we moved. We didn't know that we can be doctors here. Most immigrant physicians have this big obstacle of year of graduation. Even if you're very well trained, even if you do USMLE and you do everything and you come here, if you're not a fresh grad, you are 99% to be filtered off residency programs. And that's when the DEO uh, school at NYIT, the Immigrant Physician Program, is unique because it gives us a chance to do what we can to become doctors again. There's no other program in the country that provides that for us. 
most other physicians, the immigrant physicians, uh, finish their USMLE and they do it when you're very young, fresh grad, and then they come here, they start looking for residency programs, and a lot of residency programs would pick them up uh, just because they're young or they just finished school. For us, it's different. We're immigrants first. Uh, although we're legal immigrants and uh, the program takes immigrants, we didn't have this chance just because mostly year of graduation. It is extremely stressful to do school again. For me, it was double stressful because my husband was a year ahead of me doing the same program. So having both of us doing school at the same time with the two kids, I can say by far the most difficult thing uh, we've done in our lives. On match day last year, although we were like locked in and it wasn't really what we expected, but when he matched last year to his number one program, we started crying because that's what it's all about. You're not afraid to do the work as long as you know that it's going to lead you somewhere. And it's been very special for my family to have the two household go through that program. And I'm a fourth year and I just submitted my ERAS and I'm sure all of you can wait to do that. It's a big step. It's a big milestone to feel like you're almost there. Whatever the hardship that you went through the, through the four years of medical school, it is 100% worth it. And, and every day when I even ask my husband, like, how does it feel like? He said, like, residency is tough, Merit. School has been tough. But it is what we've trained to do, and we can't be any happier. First of all, I'm so happy for you and your husband. There's so much uncertainty when you come to a new country and you don't know what's in in store for you and for you guys to find this program. And he's succeeding now and is a resident now and you're about to get there. I'm so excited for you and to see where you guys end up. Mohammed, did you also want to add something to that? I loved Iraq. Uh, back in the days, it was uh, war and the country was torn apart and uh, like basically invalid for living uh, for me. And then the, the dream of coming to the United States grew bigger and bigger. It's basically the mecca of medical practice. But honestly, the transition is not easy. Just as uh, Marat said, once you arrive, you discover certain obstacles, year of graduation, many other factors that is not related to the efficiency of the doctor. But that's like basically the rules of the game. And then NYIT come, came to the rescue. Uh, restarting medical school is beautiful experience. I personally like it. I feel alive doing it. I'm enjoying every step uh, of it, using it as an opportunity to learn and shine and uh, doing all I can get, all I can to get the best out of it. Since I started, uh, I've been on a mission to learn everything the right way. At the beginning, I will not deny that it was stressful and it infused me with self-doubt. And later on, as I settled uh, to a baseline of good performance, uh, I learned how to manage the stress and it's beautiful. This program is unique in many ways and I usually describe it as a life-changing second chance. I'm always thankful for it. It made my life easier here in the United States. So speaking of second chances, I'm kind of jealous that you get to do this all over again and you're given a second chance at medicine. You get to see it from a completely different perspective. So are any of you considering changing your specialty given you have the opportunity to do so now? Irene? Uh, Yes, I graduated from uh, pediatrics faculty 
uh, and I did residency training in neonatology. So that is definitely one thing I'm absolutely sure about. This is not going to be my route, my, uh, route here. Uh, I'm thinking of moving to internal medicine. I'm not 100% sure yet, but um, I don't think I will continue being pediatrician or neonatologist. Mirat, did you change specialties? I always liked our family medicine faculty at the school. I just like felt that I can relate more to them more than anyone else. I didn't know that this is going to be my passion. I like Dr. Shafflin and the way she does things in the DPR. I like I like so many of Dr. Ray. We have we have so many very good family medicine physicians. I didn't We mind. all do. We yeah. all do like love her. <laughs> but I didn't know that's going to be my thing. I went to third year very open. I can't deny that I still like being in the OR when I was in third year. But I realized that's not for me anymore. I can't be OB. And I figured out that family medicine, you can do a lot with, can focus on doing everything from peas to geriatrics to sports medicine. There's a lot of opportunity in, in family medicine. And um, I still like women's health. I still like it from the family medicine aspect. It's just I want to tell everyone, EPP or not, when you go to third year, be very open about what you what you will like. I thought that I'm going to love beads, for instance. I cried every day in the NICU. Like I went, <laughs> every time I saw a baby, I turned into mommy mode. And then I started crying with every baby <laughs> that went inside. It wasn't for me. I think having an open mind about what you're going to do makes a very big difference. I think that's good advice for not only EPP students, for any medical students to have an open mind. Now, Hassan, I know that you started the ophthalmology interest group, and I think it's a club now. So I'm assuming you studied um, ophthalmology back in Pakistan. Is that what you're still set on doing? Yeah. uh, So my coming to the U.S. was fortunately not as a result of a tragedy. Although it was due to a life-changing event, I got married to an American citizen. So having said that, I was uh, in my fourth year residency, uh, fourth year of my residency in ophthalmology in Pakistan. So when I came uh, to the land of opportunities, so I was very excited about working in the field that is my passion, ophthalmology. But like everybody has mentioned before, uh, it came with a lot of challenges. And as my life unfolded in front of me, uh, I saw that it is not going to be a very realistic dream. Uh, pursuing that as an IMG. When I heard about this EPP program at NYITCOM, I was very thrilled. And there was a lot of discussion within my family that can we look into this program uh, that can lead me into following my my dream. And uh, like you were mentioning about, uh, life doesn't always give you second chance, but in case of EPPs, it does. And I am really hopeful that this program can help me get to that goal. And yeah, uh, the the club that you mentioned, uh, it was a part of uh, the whole uh, experience that comes with learning as well as being able to share what you have learned from your previous learning. So through that club, uh, we are able to expose other students uh, with their early clinical experience in the field of ophthalmology and also try to Uh, explore uh, research opportunities on campus. Thank you, Hassan. So you spoke about hearing of the EPP program. How did you or any of the other panelists hear about 
the NYIT come I'm a great physician program. I may have to share with you a funny story. So the same person who is the reason for me to be in the US was the person who told me about this program. My wife was pregnant with, with my only child and her sister-in-law needed a haircut and she was lactating mother at that time. So my wife had to accompany her to a barber shop and over there she sees a young guy who's, uh, who's dressed up in scrubs and uh, they happen to talk to each other and then she asks him what he's doing. He says that he's applying for a residency interview and then she mentions about me that I am her husband and I was an ophthalmologist in my country and I'm really struggling to get there. He told her, have you ever heard of that program in New York that can take immigrant physicians? So that's when we got that word. And when she came home and she told me, I looked it up and definitely that program existed and I did not wait any further. I booked a trip uh, to New York from Florida. Florida is my American home, by the way. I came to campus. I took a campus tour and that day I was very fortunate to meet Dr. Shefflin as well. The whole experience uh, led a very good impression on me and uh, I could not think of anything but to join this program as an EPP student. And here you are succeeding. Mohammed, how did you hear about this program? So I heard about uh, the immigrant physician program through a friend of mine. He's uh, class 2018. And uh, I'll be honest here, the first time I heard about it, I was critical of his decision. Like, why would you do that? Fast forward and I'm um, uh, second year and I'm loving every part of it. Uh, I'm one of the biggest advocates for the program as an ambassador. And uh, I'd like to send a message to everyone who's listening to us. Uh, please consider this program. It's a, it's a life-changing experience. It doesn't take much to apply. It is competitive, but it's totally worth it. And for those who applied and didn't make it, please keep applying. It's competitive in a way that it's a game of inches. If you didn't make it now, that doesn't mean you are not good or bad. Uh, it just takes a little bit more effort and once you make it, it's, it's going to be a beautiful story of success. I encourage everyone to join this program and uh, consider it uh, for future plans. So as this conversation comes to a close, I want to bring us back to Dr. Shefflin and ask her to comment a little bit more about how she sees this program growing and also how NYIT Come supports our EPP students. Right. So as you know, it is a very rigorous program. So they said they're going to medical school in six years back in their countries. And so things like anatomy, we teach anatomy in four months. So we really watch our emigres and their performance. Uh, we make sure that they meet with the enrichment specialist and they're successful. We don't want them to ever get caught in that chasing grades or, or having to make up points on exams. So we really do. We meet with them. They're a cohort of 35 extraordinary individuals. But remember, they're going to medical school. Sometimes I asked them when they graduated, some of them are as far back as me, which is 20 years ago. So they really have a big lapse between their past education and the current one. Um, but you'd be surprised, most of them soar. And if they hit bumps, they really get right back up and continue. Their, their motivation is a force to be reckoned with, really. That's incredible. And we've already heard from Irene and Mira that you are such a light and they gain so much inspiration from you. Can any other student comment on how the NYT faculty has been a support system to them through this entire process? Hassan? So most of the faculty uh, has 
pretty much an open door policy. So if we were to get help from any faculty member, we could just stop at their door and they wouldn't mind having us and be able to address that. Uh, if not, you can always schedule through an email. Besides that, there are three things that I would like to mention. Uh, they have helped me to come out of the tough times that I have faced. So these are three Fs, but the good ones, family, friends, which includes traditional students, as well as EPPs from all over the globe, and faith that we all can do well here, uh, being a part of uh, this fantastic team at NYITCon. And I can even add a fourth F to that faculty. The faculty is so incredible at NYITCOM and we're so lucky to be here. So at this time, I'd like to thank all our guests for sharing their unique insights and personal experiences with our listeners. We at The Scope really greatly respect your fortitude, determination, courage, and dedication to the medical profession. And we are grateful for your decision to pursue your medical education and degree for a second time at NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine and become practicing osteopathic physicians in the United States. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having us. So much for having us.